a desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn, you still Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. And, yeah, it's time for another episode. Uh, Today, I just have some basics about the various droids that you can find within the Star Wars galaxy. So, without further ado, let's just dive straight into ARC Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an ARC Trooper? I do, sir! Alright, so like I just said, uh, this is essentially going to be a very basic uh, introspective into various droids and various droid types within the Star Wars galaxy, and then going into a couple, no- a few notable droids uh, that are kind of uh, central figures uh, for a few different plot lines in Star Wars. So, as usual for all of these kind of back to basics uh, episodes, I ask the question, "What is blank?" Because I feel like that's the first step in understanding uh, each of these concepts a bit better. So, in this case. The question is, what is a droid? And put very simply, droids are mechanical entities that are run by artificial intelligence. And so, they droids are actually some of the first character, or uh, the first characters that we met in Star Wars, uh, whenever it was originally released, because C three PO and R two D two are the first characters that we actually get to interact with. Um, so there are a few different kinds or types of droids. Uh, first of which is uh, protocol droids, and so these are essentially butler droids who are capable of translation, and they are uh, primarily used to aid uh, uh, sentience uh, in eloquent er, etiquette and uh, as well as galactic relations. So C-3PO is an example of this type of droid, uh, but there are also a protocol-esque type droids that uh, kind of work with analytics or um, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, inventory checks and stuff like that. Um, so they're, they're a little more humanoid, uh, that is, and that their primary directive is essentially assisting humans, kind of like a butler does. Or not humans, but sentience. Uh, next up we have astromech droids. So this is essentially like what R2-D2 is. Uh, they're squadier, and they are technical droids that are a little more utilitarian, they're capable of slicing and aiding and piloting ships, as well as many, many other, uh, and they also have many, many other applications, and they're customizable to their owner's needs. And there, we see many different variations of these. Most prominently featured are the R-series droids, such as R2-D2, R, uh, R3-S6, um, R4-something-something. Um, all of these different types of droids are technically R-series um, uh, astromech droids. The next up we have our battle droids. Now, uh, these uh, droids are programmed specifically for combat, and they are trained with blasters or programmed uh, to be good with blasters or contain built-in blasters uh, already. And they tend to be very expensive and are notably seen during uh, the Clone Wars, and they're used by the Separatists, otherwise known as the Confederacy of Independent Systems. There are, a few, there are many different types, as we see mainly within the, the Clone Wars show, but we see some of these uh, utilized uh, in the movies as well. These variations include uh, B-1 battle droids, which are the, the standard tan ones. Uh, they're the ones that make up a bulk of the ranks of the Separatist army. 
Uh, if you think of a battle droid, chances are you're thinking of a B1 battle droid. There are also super battle droids. They're a bit wider and more heavily armored. Um, and they're gray, uh, and they have wrist blasters rather than handheld blasters. There are also destroyer droids, also known as rollies, also known as droidicas. These are the ones that can uh, that move around by rolling on their uh, protective shells, and then they have twin blasters um, built into them, and they also have built-in deflector shields, which um, can deflect blaster fire. Uh, but they are um, vulnerable to slow-moving attacks, such as throwing a droid popper at the right speed, or as we see Captain Rex do, Rex is able to uh, move through the force field with his hand and then shoot the droid within its own force field. We see that in the Battle of Geonosis. There are also commando droids, which are essentially very advanced B-1 battle droids. Uh, they're more humanoid. They are able to uh, change their voices in order to imperson impersonate organics, organic beings such as humans. Um, and they are able to... Uh, they move a lot faster, they're more agile, they're more stealthy. Um, they're, they were used more in covert operations. We first see them uh, whenever they take over the Rishi Moon outpost uh, in episode, I think it's episode 5 of season 1, Rookies. Um, it's the first episode where we see Heavy and Echo and all them. But they're able to take over the base. Some of them carry machetes and they also have uh, harder armor or outer casings than most other droids. There are also aqua droids, which are pr primarily used on aquatic worlds, such as Kamino or Moncala. And then there are vulture droids, uh, which are essentially droid ships, and they're able to fly in space and take down. Uh, and then there are different variations of vulture droids, but I went over those uh, back in my episode about prequel ships that you need to know. And so if you want to learn more about them, then you can go back and check that out. Uh, one more that I didn't have on my list, but I'm just now remembering are tactical droids and super tactical droids, which are less battle droids and more because they're not really specifically designed for combat. They're more designed for analysis. But what they did was they analyzed um, enemy strategies and essentially plotted courses to victory based on the probabilities and the uh, trends of their opponents' uh, battle strategies. So they're pretty cool. Um, and you see them as pretty consistent reoccurring uh, opponents for the Republic and the Clone Wars TV show. Uh, I'm not talking about General Grievous right now because he's not technically a droid, he's a cyborg, but he was the leader of the battle droid army uh, as seen in the Clone Wars as well as Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. So moving on from that, we also have probe droids which were designed for reconnaissance purposes. Uh, they were outfitted with thermal imaging and cameras and they were capable of relay, relaying footage back to uh, whoever had sent them. So we see these utilized a lot in the Clone Wars. Um, and we also see them utilized in Episode 1. Uh, uh, Phantom Menace, Darth Maul uses these, which he actually built himself. Um, but he sent out three on Tatooine trying to find um, Qui-Gon and all of them. And a, a, that, that was his way of essentially... Uh, Discovering their whereabouts, we also see them utilized in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, probe droids are what found the uh, rebel base on Hoth. We also see them, I'm trying to think of specific times that we see them in uh, the Clone Wars. We see them uh, whenever Ayla Secura, Sokotano, 
and Anakin Skywalker crash land uh, on the planet. I don't remember the name, but they whenever they're staying with the Lermans, um, the Separatists send out a probe droid, which they have to track down. Um, there's also one used uh, on the during Ry- the Battle of Ryloth. Uh, a tactical droid sends out a probe droid to track Obi-Wan Kenobi's movements. There's a probe droid that is seen in Mark of the Clone Wars, and there's some in the Bad Batch as well. So there are a lot, they're, they're used a lot, and they're essentially made to uh, be a, a low-profile uh, reconnaissance method in order to kind of uh, survey the enemy. Uh what else do we have? Pilot droids. They're capable of calculating hyperspace routes and maneuvering spacecrafts. Pretty self-explanatory. They're made to pilot ships. Uh, bounty droids. Programmed to hunt, similar to battle droids, uh, but with more autonomy. We see droids that are bounty hunters, essentially, and I'll get into a couple more examples of that later in this episode. We have security droids, which are also pretty self-explanatory. What they are meant to do is pro- uh, they're programmed to protect designated areas or organizations, and they're similar to battle droids without combat being their primary directive, with their primary directive obviously being to protect those who they are um, meant to. Uh, and then finally, we have gonk droids, which are walking batteries. They're the ones that go gonk, gonk. Like they look like walking car batteries, essentially bigger, bigger car batteries. Um, and it's a little known fact that gonk droids are actually the most powerful entities in the galaxy and the one true lords of the Sith. Um, and I think that that's going to be revealed in future media. Don't at me. Darth Gonk is a thing, and his apprentice is Darth Jar Jar. Anyways. Um, that's all that I have for the various types of droids. Um, now I'm just going to go into uh, some notable droids and kind of what they've contributed to the Star Wars franchise. So obviously, first off, we have C-3PO. He speaks the first line of dialogue within uh, Star Wars in general. Um, he is a consistent player throughout every single movie of the franchise, except for Solo. He and R2-D2 both are in every single movie, or at least make, and at least make an appearance. Um, but he was designed and created by Anakin Skywalker while he was a slave on Tatooine and is fluent in over uh, six million forms of uh, communication, as he says quite a bit. Um, but yeah, and he's also he's played and voiced by Anthony Daniels. Uh, shout out to Anthony. Um, come on my podcast if you want to. Don't know why you'd be listening, but it'd be cool if you did. Uh, next up, we have R2-D2, who is an astromech droid. Um, he was first seen in the service of the uh, Nabooian Navy uh, as a repair droid, and he's the only droid of his uh, squad that survived and was able to p- repair the ship of uh, Queen Amidala as they were fleeing this uh, Trade Federation blockade in Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And then we see him in the service of both Senator Amidala and Anakin Skywalker as uh, the movies progress. He ends up in the service of Captain Antilles, which is where we first see him alongside his counterpart C-3PO in Episode 4. Much like C-3PO, he is in every single Star Wars movie except for Solo, and um, he is uh, just a funny little character. I do love R2. Um, And... I'm trying to think. He was originally played by Kenny Baker, uh, who has since passed away. Rest in peace. Um, and 
yeah, I have. Uh, stay tuned for a little bit of a more about R two D two because it's 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 pretty cool, um, or not cool but funny, um, and I'd say the most significant one of the more significant contributions that he made to the movies was he was the vessel that carried the Death Star plans uh, from Princess Leia to the rebel base on Yavin, which is pretty pretty cool, um, and I'd say pretty pretty dang significant. Uh, next up, we have BB-8, also an astromech droid, but a different type uh, than R2. Uh, he is uh, introduced to us in the sequel trilogy, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. And very similar, uh, he speaks in a different uh, type of droid speak than R2-D2. Uh, but he's one of the highlights of the sequel trilogy, in my opinion. Very cute um, and uh, cool design. I like the kind of the gyroscopic orb shape. Um, but yeah, don't have too much to say about him because there's not much to say, but, uh, he's a unique, uh, orange and white droid and I like him. Uh, moving on to K2SO. This is the reprogrammed Imperial security droid that we meet in Rogue One. He has a lot of personality. He's very sassy, which we love. And he is actually about to make a reappearance because spoiler alert, but, at the end of Rogue One, everybody dies, including K2, because that's kind of how it needed to happen. But um, there's a new Cassian Andor series that's coming out next year, and K2SO is set to return in that. So Cassian Andor being uh, the co-leader of the Rogue One squadron, or the Rogue One platoon, uh, alongside Jyn Erso. So uh, that's super exciting. We love K2SO and can't wait to see more of him. Uh, next up, we have L337 from Solo, A Star Wars Story. And she was a very outspoken droids rights activist because, as we see in that movie, droids were being uh, essentially, quote-unquote, dehumanized. Um, I don't know if that's a direct quote, but that's essentially what she was fighting for was droid rights and droid autonomy, not to have them uh, fight to the death, quote-unquote, in cage matches and stuff like that, and essentially to be treated with more humanity, ironically enough. Um, and she actually, uh, whenever she was destroyed, spoiler alert, became the Navi computer within, um, the Millennium Falcon. And so that little noise, whenever the little beep, the little kind of chirping, beeping noise, whenever they're about to jump into hyperspace, uh, that is L3's system, uh, programmed into the ship, um, calculating the hyperspace routes that are optimal. Uh, the next one that I have is Gonky from The Bad Batch, because how could I forget the most powerful entity in the galaxy, that being a gonk droid. Um, that's all that I'm going to say. I feel like people might not find that as funny as I find it. Um, next up, we have two bounty hunter droids, uh, or three, technically. The first of which is Heisinger, which we only see in the Clone Wars, but he's a super cool droid. Uh, I don't have too much to say about him other than that he's awesome. He was part of Bad Batch, or not Bad Batch, Boba's uh, bounty hunting um, kind of inner circle or uh, kind of, it was a bounty hunt. It wasn't a guild, but it was like a separate group called, um, shoot, what was it called? The Crates Claw, I think. Uh, we see him in... The episode where uh, Saj Ventress joins that team for a very short period of time. We were supposed to see more of them um, in later seasons of the Clone Wars that got canceled after Disney acquired the franchise, but say la vie. 
I just wanted to uh, kind of include him because I thought he was really cool. Uh, aside from that, two more, and they're the same kind of droid. They're called assassin droids or bounty droids. And they're the ones that have, like, kind of the leaner build, the first of which that we ever saw in the Bounty Hunter lineup in Episode Five, Empire Strikes Back, would be IG-88. And he's a very iconic droid, um, just because he looks cool. He didn't actually do anything. We've never actually seen him do anything. But uh, his counterpart, which is uh, the same kind of droid, named IG-11, voiced by, voiced by Taika Waititi, uh, seen in The Mandalorian Season 1 is the same kind of droid, and we get to see him in action, and they are awesome. Their primary directives are to uh, secure their target, and if they have uh, any chance of being captured, then they are programmed to self-destruct in order to not let uh, them fall into the wrong hands. Um, and... Yeah, I just think that they're super cool, and I hope that we get to see more of them moving forward. Maybe specifically IG-88. I think that that would be really dope. Um, so that's about all that I have about my basics on droids. If y'all think that I missed anything or want me to go more in-depth about anything in particular, I can go more in-depth about the Separatists or about uh, really or astromech droids, protocol droids, anything that y'all think would be interesting, just let me know. I'm always open to suggestions. That being said, that's all that I have, but this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave y'all with just a little bit more. So I actually have two mores for y'all today. So the first one is that BB, BB-8 uh, communicates using 27th generation droid speak. So that's just the program uh, that he runs, and that's, how, that's the series of beeps and boops that he uh, communicates through his 27th generation droid speak. And then the other thing that I thought of um, and I just confirmed this, was that R2-D2 was originally supposed to be very vulgar, and he was supposed to speak English, or as it's called in the Star Wars galaxy, basic. And uh, anyways, he was supposed to swear a lot, um, as sort of as a comedic relief type thing, but George Lucas uh, made the decision to keep the movie more kid-friendly and changed uh, that to beeps and boops as we know and love today. So I just thought that, that was kind of interesting and kind of funny. Um, and yeah, that's all that I have. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, make sure that you share this podcast with anybody that you think would enjoy it. Anybody who's trying to get into Star Wars, I would love to help give them a nudge. Um, anybody who wants their Star Wars, lo their love for Star Wars revitalized, I would love to give them a nudge too. Uh, but anyways, I think that there are like three of y'all who actually listen, so thank y'all so much uh, for those of you who do and for those of you who are just now listening. We, I'm so glad that you're listening. Um, I really appreciate any support that I get. Um, if you want to continue to support us, like I said, share this with your friends, but also uh, go ahead and subscribe or follow us on uh, Apple Music or Spotify or subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Instagram. Any of those uh, would be great ways that you can help me grow this channel. Make sure that you uh, send all of our stuff to anyone else that you think would enjoy it as well. And you can find all of our stuff through our website, twinsuntalks.wixsite.com uh, uh, slash twin-sun. Um, and then, yeah, at twinsuntalks on uh, YouTube or on Instagram and then twinsuntalks podcast on YouTube. Um, and then Twin Sun Talks on all of the streaming platforms. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. 
And I will see y'all next week. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you. And I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.